Hey, Nick, we have another Patreon to shout out on our show. Yeah, thank you, Linda Tran, for your generous donation to keeping Cree Observer Coffee going. For $10 a month, you get this shout out. Thanks, Linda. If you want to be shouted on our show like Linda, you can also do so by going onto our Patreon and giving us a $10 per month donation. So, Nick, my oral boards are nearly upon me. I'm going to be taking them in December. Man, Faye, I am feeling kind of lucky because mine are after yours in January, um, but the heat is starting to get turned up. How are you studying? So one of the ways that I'm studying um, is by going onto the OBG project and taking a look at their most up-to-date information to make sure that I am studied up on GYN because I don't practice GYN anymore. I'm going back through my bookshelf articles to take a look at some of those high-yield topics from GYN that I just don't remember. Um, but they've also got a ton of great other information regarding obstetrics, certainly, um, but then even just professionalism things um, and life as a physician. Yeah, absolutely. And so you don't need to just be studying for your oral boards to appreciate and use OBG Project. You can also use it if you are a resident or an attending and you're just studying up to make sure that you are practicing um, good OBGYN. You can also join us to get OBG first and make your very own bookshelf and go back to those resources that you like. And if you are a fourth year resident, you can actually sign up for one whole year free. Head on over to our website, check out the sidebar, figure out how you can get OBG first for a whole year, absolutely free. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Creogs over, over Coffee. coffee. Today, we're going to be going down the pathway of cesarean scar ectopics. So Nick, what are our learning objectives for today? We'll start off reviewing some risk factors for and the incidence of cesarean scar ectopic pregnancies. We'll then discuss exactly how to diagnose cesarean scar ectopics. And lastly, we'll understand the management and follow-up for cesarean scar ectopics. Um, so Faye, maybe a simple question, but probably more complex than it appears. What exactly is a cesarean scar ectopic pregnancy? Yeah, so the exact definition of a C-section scar ectopic is the implantation of an early gestation in the hysterotomy incision from a previous cesarean birth. And there's actually two types. So the first is endogenic, which is an implantation into the scar itself. And then there's exogenic, which is implantation into the defect or niche that's left behind by an incomplete healing of the scar. The reason that we care about this, so first of all, overall, this is very, very rare. One in 2,000 pregnancies and only 6% of ectopic pregnancies in total among patients with a history of a C-section. Importantly, it doesn't seem to be related to the number of C-sections that someone's had, though the risk factors overall are not very well studied because it is so rare, and there may be some increased risk association with smoking or maybe higher parity. The reason we care is because a C-section scar ectopic is really scary. Just like any other ectopic, an unrecognized C-section scar ectopic can rupture and cause hemorrhage and death. Knowing that, Nick, how do we then go about diagnosing a C-section scar ectopic? So we may suspect an ectopic pregnancy, um, again, if you go back to one of our early episodes on the management of early unlocated pregnancy, when we don't see an appropriate rise in beta-HCG if we're tracking them. 
Signs and symptoms of ectopic pregnancy, again, early on, patients can be asymptomatic, and later on, the first sign frequently is vaginal bleeding. If an ectopic pregnancy ruptures, um, again, as you mentioned, Faye, that's the really scary part, and that's going to lead to hemoperitoneum, hypovolemic shock, badness. And patients who progress even to that stage still are typically only early in the first trimester. Diagnosis is usually made with ultrasound and is suspected, obviously, in the context of a history of a prior cesarean section. The gestational sac center is usually pretty low, under 5 centimeters from the cervical os, and obviously also would appear anteriorly implanted on the ultrasound. You can sometimes see this on ultrasounds to look like an enlarged hysterotomy scar with an embedded mass um, that sometimes can even bulge beyond the anterior contour of the uterus and head towards the adjacent pelvic structures like the bladder. We'll post some pictures on the website just so you can kind of take a look and see what this looks like on ultrasound, but it's also pretty characteristic and scary in its appearance. Other findings that can help support the diagnosis include an otherwise empty uterine cavity and endocervix, a triangular-shaped gestational sac at less than eight weeks, or a rounded or oval sac at over eight weeks that fills up that scar area, and then additionally, a thin or absent myometrial layer between the gestational sac and the bladder, with that thinness being usually defined between like one and three millimeters. Um, and then finally, if you use Doppler, you can see a prominent vascular pattern suggestive of um, significant blood flow in the area. Finally, you could theoretically diagnose these with surgery too, where it's directly visualized, um, though if you're diagnosing straight away with surgery, you're probably also dealing with hemoperitoneum at that point. Okay, Faye, so we've talked about diagnosis now. Let's get to the point of treatment of cesarean scar topics. Yeah, so the first thought is that there should be consideration of termination of the pregnancy because of the risk of maternal morbidity and mortality and likely with no fetal benefit because you are diagnosing this usually pretty early on. If the patient, first of all, is hemodynamically unstable, this is a patient that you should immediately take to the operating room and consider a wedge resection um, versus a gravid hysterectomy, depending on the amount of bleeding and also the stability of the patient. If the patient is hemodynamically stable, you can consider both medical or surgical treatment. Usually for patients who desire future fertility, we would try and start with medical treatment. And this is usually via methotrexate, uh, just like we would in a patient with any other type of ectopic pregnancy. The options include, however, an intrasac injection of methotrexate as well as systemic injection of methotrexate. So the methotrexate should be given at 1 milligrams per kg of maternal weight up to 50 milligrams. One literature reviewed showed that in 74% of the time, no other treatment other than the intrasac injection of methotrexate was needed. Also, an additional IM or an additional intrasac injection of methotrexate led to resolution in up to 89% of cases. However, numbers vary widely depending on what study you look at, because another review said that the intrasac injection was only effective 65% of the time, and that a UAE made it 69% effective. The other things that we can consider are things like surgical options. So again, we talked about that umbilical artery embolization in addition to the methotrexate, which does seem to increase efficacy somewhat. And then like before, we also talked about a possibility of a wedge resection versus that gravid hysterectomy. 
Expectant management usually is not recommended because of the likelihood of maternal morbidity and mortality without fetal benefit, like I said before. However, it could be reasonable if there is already embryonic or fetal demise and dropping beta HCGs and the patient, again, is hemodynamically stable. All right, so Nick, let's say we have treated this patient, you know, medically um, with methotrexate. How should we follow up this patient? Yeah, so like other ectopic pregnancies where you give a methotrexate injection, um, you should continue to follow HCGs, typically weekly, um, to ensure appropriate downtrending and to give an opportunity for subsequent methotrexate injection or other interventions an opportunity. Periodic ultrasound evaluation, though not really defined in terms of how frequent that should be, should also be part of the considerations. Patients who are diagnosed earlier are sensibly more likely to have favorable outcomes than those who are diagnosed later with ectopic pregnancies. And then kind of once you get that HCG that's now downtrended to zero and you have a patient who has recovered and is coming back to you to talk about future pregnancy considerations. There have been reports of pregnancy after treatment of C-section scar ectopics, but risks to counsel about can include recurrence with a huge variation in reported range of 5 to 40 percent, um, risk of uterine rupture, and risk of placenta accretum spectrum disorders, amongst other things. So certainly is something that, while patients may be interested in, um, is a big discussion to have with respect to subsequent pregnancy risk. All right, Faye, I think that does it for C-section scar ectopic, so why don't we summarize quickly? Sure. So we first started this episode by talking about the definition of a C-section scar ectopic. So it's basically the implantation of an early gestation into the hysterotomy incision from a previous C-section birth. And there are two types, the endogenic and the exogenic. We care even though this is very, very rare because it's pretty scary. An unrecognized C-section scar ectopic can rupture and cause hemorrhage and death. A diagnosis of cesarean scar ectopic typically follows that for other ectopic pregnancies too. You may see an inappropriate rise in beta-HCG if you're following them. Um, those signs and symptoms on presentation can often be just an asymptomatic presentation with later on vaginal bleeding. Um, certainly there are patients who will present with hemoperitoneum and hypovolemic shock. And again, all of this is in the context of first trimester or early pregnancy. Diagnosis in the stable patient is typically with ultrasound. Again, some of those features can include a low gestational sac with an enlarged hysterotomy scar and embedded mass that may bulge anteriorly. We'll have some pictures on the website um, with some of those findings. We then discussed treatment and management. So we discussed that treatment really should be termination of the pregnancy because of the risk of maternal morbidity and mortality. If a patient is hemodynamically unstable, that's a patient that definitely needs to go to the OR immediately for a wedge resection or more likely a gravid hysterectomy. If the patient is hemodynamically stable, we can consider medical treatment with intrasac um, methotrexate injection, as well as possibly an additional IM injection of methotrexate. The number does vary a little bit in terms of resolution, depending on what study you look at, but it's somewhere between um, 65 to 75% of the time where there's resolution with just the intrasac injection of methotrexate. Other surgical options other than hysterectomy and wedge resection include like a uterine artery embolization. And also we did talk very little about expectant management, which really is not recommended unless there is already an embryonic or fetal demise and dropping beta-HCGs. 
follow-up should include following your betas like you would for other ectopic pregnancies after methotrexate injection and consideration of additional ultrasounds. Pregnancies that are diagnosed earlier um, are more likely to have favorable outcomes. And then with future pregnancy risks, recurrence rates have been quoted at somewhere between 5 and 40 percent, um, as well as increased risks later for uterine rupture and placenta accreta spectrum disorders. All right, Nick, I think that brings us to the end of our episode on C-section scar topics. So once again, this is Faye. This is Nick. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. So guys, if you enjoyed the podcast today, head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever your podcatcher is, give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us on social media, on Twitter at Creogs Over Coffee 1, on Facebook and Instagram at Creogs Over Coffee. And if you want to give us some support, go ahead and go into our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Creogs Over Coffee. You can find notes and more resources for this episode as well as all of our previous episodes on our website, creogsovercoffee.com. And if you have a correction for this show or any of our other shows, have a suggestion for a topic, or just want to say hi to us, email us, creogsovercoffee at gmail.com. <laughs>